So, are we alone? You know, in this vast universe, is there any life outside the Earth? Is there alien life out there somewhere? I mean, with all the stars, with all the galaxies, with all the planets, maybe there's life out there. But maybe we don't need to look that far. Maybe we could look somewhere a little closer to Earth. Maybe in our own solar system. Some of the best candidates for places to look uh, are real close to us. I mean, we've got Mars. We've got the icy moons of Jupiter. And the icy moons of Jupiter are actually pretty exciting because these are, you know, pretty big balls of ice that have been kneaded like clay and the tidal force from their parent gas giant planet. And they may have some huge liquid water oceans hidden beneath the surface. Well, the European Space Agency has just launched a mission to Jupiter's moons to investigate just that. And today, we're talking with a scientist from the JUICE mission team. From the studios of Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm your host, Dean Regis, and this is Looking Up. The show that takes you deep into the cosmos, or just to the telescope in your backyard, to learn more about what makes this amazing universe of ours so great. Our guest this week is Nicolas Altobelli, the Science Operations Development Manager for ESA's JUICE mission. All right, so we're talking about the JUICE mission. This is a uh, rocket that launched in April of 2023 and will arrive at Jupiter in 2031. So this is incredible to send a spacecraft that far. Now, JUICE, first off, I mean, we got to go with the, the name. I mean, it's, I don't know. What do you guys think? Catchy? Not too catchy? It, it, it stands for something, of course. It stands for the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer JUICE. Yeah, they're really stretching on this one. But, uh, you know, I guess it's, you'll, you'll always remember that. That's for sure. And that's what they're looking for, kind of. <laughs> they're kind of looking for JUICE down in these moons. I'm laughing because, you know, we're thinking about water, but I'm also thinking of, like, drink boxes and stuff like that for kids and, like, Capri Suns or something like that. But that's not the juice we're looking for. We're looking for H2O. We're looking for water. And these moons of Jupiter are uh, pretty incredible. I mean, they are their own little worlds. We think of moons, you know, kind of like our moon. That's this dry, desolate, barren wasteland of, a, of, a, of an object. But the, the moons around Jupiter, we've got, uh, you know, Europa, we've got Ganymede, we've got Callisto. These are big objects. These are worlds on their own. So uh, a moon like Ganymede and Callisto, these are the sizes of planets. So they're Mercury-sized objects that are just happen to be going around another planet that's even bigger, Jupiter, that is. So what's happening on these moons is that they're mostly frozen, they're mostly icy, but below the surface, there is signs of liquid water. And from our flybys from various missions, We've gotten some really close-up pictures and close-up ideas, and all three of those moons, Ganymede, Europa, and Callisto, are candidates for uh, lots and lots of water. So combined, those three moons could have six times the water that we have here on Earth. Now, uh, probably Europa is the one that gets all the press because Europa is the one that's uh, very, it's frozen on the surface. So when you look at the pictures, we can see this kind of like, cracked surface. It looks like, uh, you know, these lines, crisscross lines of ice. But 
uh, recent developments, recent uh, observations of this moon have shown that there is stuff leaking out of it that's shooting out of the gaps, out of the cracks in the surface. And it seems to be H2O. There seems to be so much water on this little tiny moon that it's coming out the sides. So one of the very, very future missions is to send a craft to Europa uh, and to drill down through the ice and see what lurks below. And likelihood is that there is an ocean in liquid form underneath this ice. So on Earth, where we find water, what do we find? Life. Life is like everywhere on this Earth in some of the darndest places and some of the farthest reaches of the ocean, some of the farthest places under frozen lakes. Uh, we find life forms. Uh, yeah, maybe we don't need to look any farther than the Jupiter icy moons. So now Ganymede is also in the mix here as well because Ganymede is the biggest of the moons. It's the biggest moon in the solar system and so holds a little bit of promise. Now, it's not like there's like big oceans and that kind of stuff. This is mostly in the frozen form that we're seeing here. So uh, that one and then Callisto is kind of like the third in this. But to me, Europa is the main one. And uh, the JUICE mission is going to be going through all three of these and uh, maybe not as much in Europa as it could because NASA is planning a mission to Europa in the very near future. And so they're going to be really circling around that uh, moon quite a bit more. What could we find? This is going to be interesting because, uh, well, I guess we have to wait a little while, don't we? If it's going to take uh, until 2031 to get there. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, again, space missions, you got to be really patient with this kind of stuff because it takes a long time to get anywhere. Now, sure, they could get there faster. There's no doubt you could like do a direct route here to Jupiter, but the problem is, is they want to enter into an orbit. They want to move the spacecraft in a way that it can circle around the planet and then swing around these moons. So we're not flying by as fast as we can. And so this is kind of like they're taking their time, but they're saving their fuel. And then the faster you go, the more you have to slow down to get into this. So it's definitely one of those, let's take our time to get there, test out the systems. Um, and uh, But the promise from this, this could provide some really exciting stuff for some future in space travel. So joining me today, I have Nicola Altobelli, the Science Operations Development Manager for the JUICE mission. Nicola, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is exciting to be part of this mission to Jupiter's icy moons. Uh, you know, we saw the launch go off without a hitch. Everything was looking good. Uh, how are you feeling? Isn't it amazing? You know, Once the spacecraft gets off the ground and going into space, what's the feeling around there? Yes, this was a great feeling. Actually, this was my first launch, uh, which I could experience live. I was there with the family uh, in French Guiana. So we had all made the trip uh, to French Guiana to watch uh, Juice starting on its uh, journey. And uh, I must say, I, I have started, uh, for me, the countdown started really about 10 years ago. Um, because, you know, those missions, uh, this is a large class mission of the European Space Agency, the first large class mission of the Cosmic Vision program. And this is a typical development time and testing time 
um, of uh, about 10 years. So looking at this thing taking off um, was really at the same time a huge relief marking the start of the journey, but also the accomplishment of all the project work that had been done with many countries involved um, to make this thing happen. So yeah, with the, the amount of time that it takes to make a mission and put it all together, what were some of the unique challenges that uh, your team faced like in, in preparing the mission? Yeah, there were a few actually. Um, probably, yeah, it has not been unique. Uh, it has been unique in space exploration. I think a, a pandemic, um, the COVID, um, that really made things tricky. So the spacecraft was already built and integrated, but the testing phase was starting. Uh, and of course, when you cannot uh, join the facility, when when you know you're restricted in the way you can um, enter buildings and so on, it has been really a challenge for um, the team to finish the spacecraft. Uh, but it was really managed very well by um, the project team and our contractor Airbus, such that actually there was no significant delay. And I would say uh, a second thing that was. Um, quite difficult to handle toward the end was the uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia, where actually you know that we have to transport um, the spacecraft to uh, the spaceport in Kourou in French Guiana from Toulouse in France, where the final tests are being made. And for this, you need special planes, uh, very large planes, the Antonov, uh, which are operated by a Ukrainian company. And it was unclear until quite late uh, in, in the program, whether we could use those planes or not. So the project team had to find alternative ways to transport the spacecraft, but also all the equipment that you would need on the launch pad. So I think those are two, let's say, unique things um, that uh, Juice and the project uh, had to deal with. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, you know, for for us in the United States, we build it right in that gigantic hangar and then roll it out and to actually have to transport it. Oh man, that must have been nerve-wracking too, just to watch this this your your baby basically go onto this plane and uh fly off to the uh to the next stop. Um Yes, actually yeah, and and, and the spacecraft is built over different uh, sites in Europe, actually. So there's a transport is a usual thing, but when it gets complicated a bit by, you know, the the what has, is happening in the world at the same time, it makes things even more complicated. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so now we have to wait, right? We have to be patient again. Uh, the mission will arrive there at Jupiter uh, 2031. Is that correct? It is correct. Yes. So you can... So the Jupiter orbit insertion is happening in June, July 2031, but we will be already um, seeing Jupiter already six months before. So I would say beginning of 31, we're already very close to the Jupiter system. And then it'll just enter into this kind of uh, looping orbit around Jupiter itself? Yes. Uh, so the first thing to do, which is actually the next uh, really critical um, milestone of the mission is to break. So you will have to, we will we'll use a main engine burn, uh, for quite some time and in order to reduce the velocity with respect to Jupiter such as to transfer from an hyperbolic orbit to an elliptic orbit. So this will be originally a highly elongated orbit but we will already be captured in a Jupiter gravitational field and then we will progressively reduce the energy of the orbit to circularize um, the, you know, the, the ellipse around Jupiter while performing flybys of uh, Ganymede 
and and then we will go into the Europa flyby phase, also making flyby at Callisto before uh, entering a final orbit around Ganymede and becoming the first uh, actually mission orbiting a moon which is a, uh, not our own moon, not the Earth moon. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, seeing these three moons up close, this is going to be uh, something that's, I think, going to really grab people's attention. And to circle around Ganymede, tell us a little bit about that moon, because uh, I was talking about Europa quite a bit. Uh, what's the, what's the, the, what's going on on Ganymede that makes it such an intriguing target? So Ganymede in itself uh, is kind of a unique body. It's a, it's a very large body. It's larger than the planet Mercury, for example. So you really have to think about the icy moon, and in particular Ganymede and Callisto. Um, as almost worlds on, on their own, you know. So the interest of Ganymede is we are trying to compare the, the evolution of the moons, of the three icy moons, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto, because those bodies actually um, formed and from this, at the same in the same region of the solar system around Jupiter, but they had completely different fates. If you look at Ganymede, for example, it's kind of an intermediate uh, state between Callisto and Europa. On Europa, you see that you have a young surface, you seem to have recent geological activity. Callisto, on the other hand, is completely dead, geologically speaking. And Ganymede shows uh, a bit of both worlds. And uh, it's clear that to understand the past of all moons and see how um, you know the environment conditions at Jupiter, um, how those conditions let's say, made the moon evolve how they are today, Ganymede has the best records of the past. And for this reason, we wanted Ganymede to be the main target uh, and be able to uh, perform the first tomography uh, of, 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 of an icy moon. So looking into the interior, understanding really how, how it's made, how it evolved, uh, in order to understand the history of the entire system. Well, of course, the idea is we're looking for water and liquid on these icy moons. And I have to ask, what's your your thought on life? Is there life on these moons? I know you, we can't really say, and but if, if you if you have a kind of gut unscientific reaction, if you were to pick which moon would be the most likely to have life on it, which one would you pick? I would pick Enceladus in the Saturnian system. So, oh, you're going to even farther. So you were going to you were going yes, to Saturn. Right. And this is why I'm mentioning this because we we have to, of course, avoid speculating in this area. So we have so far absolutely no evidence of the existence of life outside uh, Earth. So what we are looking with juice is are actually what condition lead to habitability. And I know it's a it's an ugly word. Uh, the word habitability is not well defined and can have different uh, understanding uh, depending on who you're talking to. But what we are really after is, of course, liquid water. This is one of the mantra of astrobiology, follow the water. So uh, Ganymede, Europa uh, and Callisto actually uh, are do have, according to the Galileo data, uh, and various modeling, they do have an extended body of liquid water inside. And of course, as soon as you hear liquid water, people start thinking about life, but there is much more to life than um, just having liquid water. What we want to do is to understand how you keep the water liquid, how the liquid water interact with the rest of the moon, and whether these interactions and those conditions and the stability over time of the system could allow 
conditions favorable for life as we know it in the deep uh, sea, uh, as we know them from Earth, actually in the first billion of years of uh, Earth existence. The current life that exists in the, you know, the dark smoker, white smokers, uh, it's already a life which has evolved and is adapted to the new condition on Earth and in the ocean. But what we are looking for is actually conditions that could be similar to how we think life emerged and evolved on Earth. So I really cannot give you a gut feeling on this because there are so many parameters that, um, you know, I, I, I really don't know. Um, but we have to go stepwise. We know that there are many exoplanets of the size of Jupiter out there in the galaxy. We know that water is super abundant everywhere in the form of ice in particular. We know that some physics can help maintaining water liquid beyond the snow line of a star. So beyond the distance where liquid water on the surface of a body cannot exist any longer. We have seen this being validated by the Cassini mission at Saturn uh, on the uh, inside the Enceladus moon. So now the JUICE mission has to go there, characterize in detail how all this work. And only then we will have a better gut feeling whether those conditions can help life to develop um, as we know it. Well, well said. And you know I have to ask you that question. Just to prepare you, Nicola, in case you talk to other Americans, they're going to always ask you about aliens. That's We're, we're obsessed with oh, aliens. Yeah. So sure. we just, you know, this was a well answered. And you also uh, put a an idea forth for a future ESA mission to go to Enceladus. You know, you mentioned the moon Enceladus uh, around Saturn. And uh, I think that meant that you need to make a mission to go there, don't you think? Yes, but before you send um, a, a mission somewhere, you need to know what you're looking for, because what is really crucial on the mission is are the instruments that you take on board. So what are you looking for? Um, when you hear about alien, what do people, how do people represent themselves on those aliens? So what instrument do you, are you taking? And uh, I know there have been some thought about that. Um, I'm not sure on the US side what is the state of the program. I cannot comment on that. What you need to characterize is what do you expect to see from the interior coming to the outside of the moon? Because obviously you cannot you know, drill into it. Uh, so you have to be able to infer what's happening in the interior from what you see on the exterior of the moon. And this is this helps me. This is exactly what we are doing with Juice at Ganymede, making this tomography. So, from all the signs that we can sense from the exterior and sounding the interior, we try to make ourselves an image of what is really going on inside the moon. And only once you have characterized the moon in full detail, maybe you can think about sending a lander. So, those are ideas that are uh, that have been studied already. But you really have to know when you send a lander what instrument you take with you and where you land and what you're looking for. And currently, I think it's too early to to have a clear idea about that. Well, this is definitely an exciting time. I'm going to be following along with this mission as it's journeys out, out to Jupiter. Uh, but Nicola, thank you so much for joining me today and telling us a little bit about the JUICE mission. Well, thanks, you. thanks a lot. Uh, I've been speaking with Nicola Altobelli, the Science Operations Development Manager for ESA's JUICE mission. Thanks again. Looking Up with Dean Regis is a production of Cincinnati Public Radio. Marshall Verbsky is our producer and expert on homemade eclipse glasses. Yeah, but just don't buy them from him. That'd be a bad idea. Uh, Derek Smith is our audio engineer. Our theme song is Possible Light by Ziv Moran. Thanks for listening and keep looking up. <laughs>